Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Awesome. Well, thanks to everybody for sharing their experience. You're going to hear more about those opportunities. We're, we live in a special place where we have access to different temples and religions and uh, people groups right here, just heading most of the time north on I-35. It's a different kind of people group if you go south on I-35, you know what I'm saying? But uh, some of you will get that later. That's all right. But uh, anyway, it's great to be here. Hey, my name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor at Celebration, and uh, appreciate uh, different members of our team preaching the last couple weeks as I enjoyed a little bit of time away with my wife. And uh, we're, we're excited to be in this Holy Heat Wave series. Now, how many people are wondering what in the world is Holy Heat Wave all about, okay? Now, have you noticed that the weather has been awesome lately? Ever since uh, we titled it this, it's not been in the 90s in Minnesota, praise the Lord. And uh, it's been a long winter, but now we get to enjoy this short summer. It's great. But uh, uh, we're not actually talking about the weather. The other day this week, actually, Pastor Lewis texted me, and uh, when some of the clouds were going and lightning, he's like, are you guys getting rain at your house? And he lives in Elko now, just a couple miles away from me. And I said, how old are you texting me about the weather, Pastor Lewis? <laughs> I mean, I said, just how old are you? He knows who I was talking to. But anyway, um, so like, that's a formal text, but it wasn't. Um, I said, welcome to the rest of your life. We're going to now text about the weather, and uh, but it has been great. I've enjoyed these temperatures in the 70s are phenomenal. They're perfect for golf and my kids to swim, two of the favorite Ross family activities. Anyway, but we're not talking about the weather actually this summer. I mean, we are, but not as far as the sermons are concerned. We're talking about understanding the spiritual significance of the times we're in. It was Jesus who said it this way in Luke chapter 12. He said, hey, you're an expert at predicting the weather. You, you see a cloud forming in the west, and you're like, oh, it's going to rain, and it does. You're like, woo Or you see the warm south wind blowing, and you're like, it's going to be a scorcher. I found one translation that said it's going to be a heat wave. So that's the one I used for our series. And it happens. Jesus said, you're, but you're an expert at predicting the weather, but you're unwilling to understand the spiritual significance of the time you're living in. I don't want us to be unaware of the spiritual significance of the time we're living in. So this summer, we're going to talk about that every week. About half the time, a little bit over half, it's me. I've asked a couple of my friends from around the country to come, different people operating in, in five-fold aspects, a couple of staff members, because I just want us to be ready this summer. I, I know some people travel a little bit, and that's good. You enjoy those things, but I don't want us to be unaware spiritually of what's taking place. Now, the people Jesus was talking to would have understood a little bit more. Uh, they would have thought of some specifics when Jesus said the cloud forming in the West. You know, if you were, were here in January, we talked about Elijah and uh, how he called down fire from heaven, 1 Kings 18, and the fire of God came down, burned up the sacrifice. That was all while there was a drought in the land. Elijah went to King Ahab and said, there's going to be a drought until God sends rain, until I say it's going to happen. There's not going to be rain. And so God showed off. People said, this is the one true God. And then Elijah sent his servant out. And the Bible says he sent him back seven times to look for rain. 
And finally, after the seventh time of sending him back, the servant came back and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. (laughs) And Elijah said, then act on that and go ahead and run right now because a storm is coming. God is sending the rain. So, So these people would have been excited about the change in the weather. Kind of like us from winter to not winter. I was going to say summer, but sometimes we get spring in between. But we went right to summer this year. Um, They would have been more excited than just a change in the weather. It was provision for them. In that agrarian society, without rain for a couple years, they were struggling. They needed God to come through. And so even when Jesus said, you can understand the weather, but you don't know what God is doing, they would have thought, oh yeah, this happened before. (laughs) Notice this is kind of a recurring theme through mankind. People do things, God reminds us, and we're like, oh yeah, and then we do it again. But Jesus said, it's not just the provision that you thought was a change in the weather that God was providing. He said, you feel a warm south wind blowing. The north wind was cold. The north wind was winter. Nobody likes the north wind. (laughs) I mean, some people do, but we're praying for you. But the warm south wind was coming. And in scripture, the warm south wind was more than just a change of seasons. The warm south wind throughout the Bible always represented a coming revival or move of the spirit. And Jesus was saying, you ought to look forward to a move of the Spirit more than a change of the seasons. So that's what we're talking about this summer. That's a holy heat wave. Are you ready? And so uh, Luke chapter 12 is where it is. But today, that's just the intro. I'm in 2 Chronicles chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It's page 837 in my Bible. If you don't have my Bible, it's a different page. It's about that far in the Bible. 2 Chronicles chapter 15. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? And uh, let's open God's word together. Holy heat wave. Not talking about the weather, but the spiritual significance of the times we're in. Don't miss it. If you need to, watch it online. That's awesome. Welcome to those as well. Uh, Second Chronicles chapter 15. Let me just read the first four or five verses here this morning, and then I'll read some of the rest as we go. Uh, I've titled this morning's message, Repairing the Altar. I think it's important in this season where it looks like the altars have been forsaken. They've been destroyed in our nation and in many of our churches and many of our personal lives. Uh, We're talking about repairing the altar, which will make sense when I get to the last point, when I get to the other verses, but just know it's right out of the Bible, which if you're new, it's that way every time. Okay, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 and following. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. How many people still want the Spirit of God to come on people today? Amen. That's why we've gathered here today. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, listen to me, you and all Judah and Benjamin. I love this verse. The Lord is with you when you are with him. That's a great reminder for us still today, friends. The Lord is with you when you're with him. But he's not with you when you're not with him. I'll preach that in a minute. Don't worry. He said, if you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, He will forsake you. And for a long time, such a tragic verse, for a long time, Israel was without the true God. Without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him. And he was found by them. 
talking this morning about repairing the altar. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the great gift of your son, Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying to each of us. Speak to us all today. Help nobody leave the same. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Hopefully you got a note sheet or you're taking notes in the app or something. You're going to want those and, uh, or fake it. It'll make me feel like you're paying attention, whatever. Uh, four things here talking about repairing the altar. Now, spoiler alert, with a message titled Repairing the Altar, I'll give you uh, a flash forward to the end of the message. We're going to gather up front in the altar. You can stay in your seat if you want to, but I'm a come forward kind of guy. And we're going to pray together. We're going to pray on our own. And we're going to do business with God here today because we know wherever we meet with God, wherever we offer ourselves to him can be an altar. But there is something significant about coming to shared places. And prayer is that connection point between heaven and earth. And it's our joy to bring those two places together today. All right. You see on your notes, number one, if we're going to repair the altar, we must receive the spirit. Now this is right out of verse one. Each of the points are right from the verses in our text, but this is so important that we receive the spirit still today. I love how the passage opens. It says the spirit of God came on Azariah. That's what we're still praying and believing for today. I pray that we have testimony that the spirit of the Lord came on dads and the spirit of the Lord came on moms and the spirit of the Lord came on sons and daughters. And we're praying that the spirit of the Lord would fall on the people of God again today. 14 people are praying with the pastor for that, but the rest of us are praying silently, amen, that the spirit of the Lord would still come on people. Now, this is Second Chronicles. If you're newer to church, the Bible split up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is older. It's before Jesus came on the scene, and the New Testament is newer. It talks about the life and times of Jesus and then the things that happened after and the things that are still yet to happen. But in the Old Testament, before the New Testament, in the New Testament, Jesus came. The Bible says God put on the form of flesh and the Son of God appeared. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life and he died on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, was resurrected three days later, and then was uh, ascended back to the Father and he left earth But he sent the Spirit of God. This is in the book of Acts chapter 2. Jesus said, go and wait for power from on high. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We call this Pentecost. Now, in case that word scares you, I'll just remind you, penta just means 50. Pentecost was 50 days after Easter after Resurrection Sunday, okay? So 50 days later, people received the Holy Spirit, but in the Old Testament, Pentecost had not yet happened, and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would just show up to certain people at specific times and in a few locations, okay? So it was a limited in time and scope, limited for certain people, and this is what we see. The Holy Spirit came upon him for that moment, for that purpose, so that he could deliver the word of the Lord. But aren't you thankful that we're living after Pentecost? (laughs) We're not limited to one person. We're not limited just at one time and in one place. Because of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has now been given to mankind. We can receive the gift from heaven, the Spirit of God, and we can receive his power. We can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, receive a prayer language, speak in another tongue. We can walk with the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. Amen. Amen. 
But in the Old Testament, they were limited. And so we see here the Holy Spirit came on him. But isn't it sad that we live this side of Pentecost, we live with access, we live with opportunity, we live with the blessing of being filled with the Spirit of God, and yet many today are rejecting the Spirit instead of receiving the Spirit. It would make more sense for those in the Old Testament that didn't know, hadn't yet received, hadn't had the opportunity. And now, although we all have been given access, many are restricting the Spirit instead of receiving the Spirit. And if we're going to repair the altar, dear brothers and sisters, we must receive the Spirit again. Because sadly, we've replaced walking by faith with living by sight. Because we love control or the mirage of it. (laughs) We think we're in control. We like to hold the remote. (laughs) We love, we cling to power once we acquire it. But if we're going to repair the altar, we must receive and live by the Spirit again. Now notice, this is a word to the church here. It's not even talking about the people who once followed Jesus and then walked away and they're living in sin. I believe this is directed to the people of God that that are no longer receiving the Spirit, but restricting the Spirit. This includes the people of God, yes, even leaders or pastors within the church of Jesus Christ. I recently listened to a podcast that had a Q&A with a well-known pastor, a bishop, actually. And the question was asked, what is the most dangerous thing about ministry? And without hesitation, the bishop responded that you can learn how to do it. It's one of the most dangerous things about being a Christian is that we can learn how to say the right things, do the right things, recite or... We can fool a lot of other people, but we can't fool ourselves and we for sure won't fool the Lord. I don't want to come to the point of professional Christianity. We must receive the Spirit. You know, I'm a big fan of rhythm and routine. My car keys go in a certain spot on my desk at home. And if they don't go there... I don't go there, you know, because if the car keys aren't there, I don't know where they're going to be. They could be anywhere. So I got systems. I need structure to help me function with so many things constantly changing around me. I need different things in my backpack, things that I... uh, Things that cannot go in my backpack are things I cannot fly with. It just, it's a problem, you know, because then I get pulled over and they say it's random, but it's not random. And then I got a water bottle in there because I forgot. I need systems and structure. We need those things. But hear me in this room, friends. Our Christianity, our walk with Christ, our fellowship with the saints cannot be reduced to or limited by just figuring this out on our own. For that will leave us devoid of the power of God when we separate ourselves from the Spirit of God or completely restrict the moving of His Spirit among us. If we're going to repair the altar, we must receive the Spirit. What it was the prophet Joel who declared the word of the Lord many, many years ago. He said in Joel chapter 2, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. How many people are all people? 
That's you, not everybody, okay? Some of you, I confused you. I could have, should have said, if you're an all people, would you raise your hand? You're like, nope, not doing it that time either, Pastor. It doesn't matter how clearly you say it, I'm not raising my hand. Well, you're a part of the all people. Whether you raise your hand or not, God wants to pour his spirit out on everybody. Bible says on sons and daughters, on the old and the young. And that's what we're praying for this summer in the holy heat wave. We're saying we're desperate for the spirit of God to be poured out on all people today. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Number two, if we're going to repair the altar, we must also remember the word. Yeah, we've got to receive the spirit, but we've also got to remember the word. The Bible says he went out filled with the Holy Spirit and he went out and met Asa and said to him, listen to me, the Lord is with you when you're with him. Now, by the way, I would be derelict in my duties if I did not highlight, mention, and emphasize the reality that the promise of the blessing of God is conditional upon our obedience of him. See, sometimes we would love to just quote this verse, oh, the Lord is with me. And he is when we're with him. The Lord is not with you or for you in that. And we've got people, which is why we need to repair the altar, who are living contrary to the things of God, expecting God to still be with them and bless them and everything's hunky-dory. I don't know what hunky-dory is, but that's what they think it's going to be. I'll ask my dad. He's the one that used to say that. Okay, anyway, but... But hear me, the Lord is with you when you're with him. It's conditional. There's a clause in the contract. He says, if you seek him, he'll be found by you. Now, a couple hundred years earlier, the prophet Jeremiah said it this way, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What are the words that we've been using to describe that? God shows up where he's wanted. Well, you can't deny the things that we've been seeing God do in our midst, right in front of our eyes. We, we've been seeing people saved and set free. We've been seeing people healed. We've seen people restored, delivered. We've been seeing all this stuff right in front of our very eyes. Why? Partially because we're seeking him. We're, we're not manipulating him to do it. We're not controlling him to do it, but I'm just telling you, God responds to the faith of his people. We, we see this as we ask God to, to give us dreams and visions, as we ask God and we're praying in faith for people to be healed, like we're seeing it happen each and every week. This, this morning I was talking to somebody in between and people were praying during the service for the service ahead and they're saying, Pastor, we've got you covered in prayer. And one came out, Darren, and he had said, you know, I don't know what it means, uh, but, but while we were praying, I just saw a picture of a lighthouse on top of the church that, that it could just be seen, the light going forth for miles around. So we shouldn't be surprised when God God gives us dreams and visions because we're asking him to. Some of you say, well, he could give you a dream even if you didn't want him to. And that's true. But I believe when we want him to, we see more. Last week is in between services as we said, you know, if you need to go, you can go, but we've got prayer partners that are going to pray. Like, this is why we believe in this stuff, friends. And so there was a guy, Mark, was, he sat right here in the first service and he came forward. He had had a bad accident. He'd fallen, busted up his leg, couldn't walk, was in a wheelchair, uh, 
broke his arm and, and different things were going on and, and, and he, he was wheeled forward by his wife and he said, you know, we need to pray. And so prayer partner Amanda, was she sat right here in the first service and so she prayed for him and they were praying because the doctor said he wouldn't walk for a couple months. And uh, Amanda said, well, let's just pray that God would do it in a couple weeks instead. So she started praying, Lord, I just pray in two or three or four or five. She gave him four options, you know, but that was nice of her. <laughs> uh, and he just stopped and he said, you know, I don't want to wait that long. I want the Lord to heal me today. Let's just pray today. And so, so then Amanda like looked at his wife because she had wheeled him down and she was like, is that okay? Or is he on medication? <laughs> it's important to find out, you know, qualify what's going on. And his wife Brenda was like, yeah, let's pray for that. So then they prayed and they prayed for the next five minutes. And wouldn't you know it, five minutes later, by the power of God, he stood up out of the wheelchair and he walked out of this place on his own power, healed by the power of God. And I, I saw him, I was talking with somebody else. I came up, I said, did God just touch your life? He said, yep. I said, well, what about your arm? Cause you know, you couldn't move it earlier. He said, oh, I can move it now. He just raised it right up in front of it. So God's doing things. We don't have to manufacture it. We're not manipulating him to do it. But when we seek him, we'll find him. As Jeremiah said, when we seek him with all of our heart. We're not taking credit for what God's doing, but we are giving him room to do it in our lives. And we're asking him, God, would you do it in us? Well, we need to remember the word because there's conditions to it. And the, the truth is we're in a truth crisis right now. People don't really know what the truth is, or they may know what the truth is, but they want to reject the truth. And just because you vote against the truth or reject the truth or don't like the truth doesn't make it not the truth. <laughs> But we are in a truth crisis, and the cure for a lack of truth is to remember the eternal truth, not the shifting little t truth, but the truth of God's word. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So do a personal reflection here this morning. Do it on your own time, not for your neighbor, but for yourself. Are you focused on temporary things that will pass away? Or are you remembering the word, the word that will not change? Can you fully say without hesitation that you are with the Lord? The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if not, if you're not with the Lord today, make a change before you leave. Don't leave the way you came. Don't stay stuck in your sin. Don't remain confused in your chaos, but remember the word of God today and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me just give you another recommendation. As your pastor, I don't give this with any guilt trip or shame or condemnation attached to it. Maybe your sleep pattern is different or your kids are crazy. But let me just say, in my own life, I've never regretted starting my day in the Word of God. You can pray and read when you want to. I'm just telling you, I'm recommending that according to my life, when I read and meditate on His precepts first thing, when I allow my mind to focus on what matters most right away, I've noticed that the rest of my day tends to follow suit. It's impacted one way or another by how I begin the day. So I'm just telling you, you do what you want as a follower of Jesus, but I'm asking, recommending even, that you don't start your day with the news. Let me save you the time. More bad stuff happened last night. Let me just tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. More bad stuff then. Get in the word. Get in the word that's not going to change. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. 
And we see it throughout Scripture. When people neglect the word, it goes bad for them. And then we read a new king comes to power. He asks the wise men. They pull out the scrolls and they read things. And the king's like, oh, we got to do that. And then they follow the word. And what happens? Things get better. Then some time passes and they forget the word. They begin to think, we did this. We're responsible for these accolades. And all of a sudden, they neglect the word. Things go poorly again. It's cyclical in nature. The same can be true in our lives. When we remember the word, when we put the Lord first, when we keep him preeminent in our life, not just at the top of the priority list, but before everything on the to-do list, things go better for us. And when we neglect him, when we forsake him, when we omit him, when we say we've got this on our own, newsflash, we ain't got this. Some of you like us bad English, but it's good theology. We ain't got this. We need his help. We've got to remember the word. Number three. Number three. If we're going to repair the altar, we've got to restore the passion. We've got to restore the passion. The time for apathetic living. People who are unmoved and unconcerned with the things of our day is behind us. We've got to restore the passion. Look at this in verse three. For a long time, somebody say long time. (laughs) A long time, there was a trajectory. There was a direction. I don't get overly concerned about things that are a short time. So, you know, you, you, you didn't read your Bible yesterday. That's okay. I'm not saying it's awesome, but it's a short time. But if you don't read your Bible for a whole year, guess what? That's a concern. That's a direction. That's a trajectory that unless changed means you're going to move further from God, not closer to him. But I don't get so consumed with legalism and rules and regulations that things for a short time. But this was a long time. The Bible says that they lived without the true God. What else? What is the result of living without the true God? They lived without a priest to teach them. And without the law. In other words... Whenever we live without the true God, whenever we silence the voice of spiritual leaders, whenever we depart from the law of God, we will always suffer as we stumble through life without the true God. Therefore, it should really be no surprise to us, my brothers and sisters, that we find ourselves in this great nation in the condition that we're in. We as a society are seeing the results of living without the true God. And that's not just to say things that society has pushed. We've had pulpits pushing false gods as well. Not pursuing the true God. Maybe pursuing gospel light. or But no, we've got to pursue the true God. So we should not be surprised. When we see the world going to hell in a handbasket, we helped weave the basket when we live without the true God. When we silence the voice here says a priest to teach, I think we've silenced spiritual leaders in many ways. And right now I'm not referring to any government law or anything like that. Not to say I don't see those things coming, but primarily I'd like to mention the ways that we've silenced spiritual leaders within the church walls. (laughs) And that is through our itching ears today. I mean, not in the 1045 service. I'm talking about the people at nine. You know what I'm saying? I just want you to feel better. The church down the street. No, I'm talking about we, the corporate national church in America, have itching ears. I was just talking with a pastor this week because I was uh, 
doing some things with the Minnesota district and a bunch of pastors. And one of them came to me and he just confessed. He said, I miss the old days of church before YouTube. I was like, well, I don't know if we're on YouTube. He said, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> he said, but back when everybody just appreciated whatever their pastor said on Sunday, now we're trying to compete with famous people on YouTube. He said, I feel the pressure every week to produce the best Sunday ever. And he said, I don't think I can do it much longer. Itching ears. You know, another thing that, that we see is uh, we, we hold so easily to offense these days. We choose offense. I'm not saying that nobody's doing anything bad to us. I'm just saying uh, it feels like every value meal in our society comes with the side of offense. We've made it the default instead of the exception. And we get offended and we, we go down the street, we talk about somebody else, but let me just say this. Our disagreements don't have to cause disunity. I saw this uh, online this week. One pastor said it this way, so I wanna quote him because I think it helps frame um, a tension that many spiritual leaders have felt over these last couple of years. He says this, in my role as a pastor, I'm not trying to get everyone to agree on everything. So much as I'm attempting to create environments where our disagreements don't automatically become cause for disunity. Think about that. We're never going to agree on everything. I don't always agree with myself. Sometimes I've been in some meetings and I'm like, this is what I think. And then I listen for a little while longer and I'm like, I don't think that anymore. I think the other way. And then sometimes I've been in the meeting a little bit longer. I was like, you know what? I changed my mind again. I was right the first time. <laughs> And my wife's like, babe, it's just two of us in the meeting. Just make up your mind. You know? <laughs> Come on, somebody. We can't wait for agreeing on everything. We just got to agree on the right things. Come on. We can't let a disagreement bring in disunity. But have you noticed there's plenty of passion? So some of you are like, Pastor, why would you say restore the passion? Well, I do think there are some who are just overly apathetic. They've given up hope. They've thrown up their hands. They've thrown in the towel. And they're like, Lord, come quickly. So those people do need to have their passion restored. They got to show up, fired up, going there. But, you know, some people need to have their passion redirected. Because some people are passionate about the wrong stuff. <laughs> have you noticed that people get fired up about the littlest of things? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about getting cut off in traffic because I think that's okay. But, I, I mean, to be passionate. But I'm saying, like, I looked on Yelp the other day. We were trying to find a restaurant to go to. And somebody gave a bad review because the waitress gave them cherry Coke instead of Diet Coke. Now listen, I get it. Sugar could mess you up. So could whatever else is in the other drink. I'm just saying, if you want to be saved, get some water. But, but maybe the waiter or waitress just had a bad moment. Maybe they refilled it. I'm just saying, is it worth using all your passion? The devil was not busy in your life. It was an honest mistake. And we're like, we're going to let people know about it. Cherry Coke, Diet Coke. Not the same. Send. Save your passion. Let's redirect the passion to things that matter. I see so many Christians that are fired up about stuff that's not going to matter. It might be different next week or next month or next year. It for sure be different forever. And we waste our passion on temporary things. People are wasting their passion on things that won't matter forever, temporary things more than eternal things. 
So I have a message for you today for the church in our nation. I boldly proclaim that if that's you, restore your passion for the things of God. Don't waste another day giving your passion to things that won't last. It's time for the people of God to care about what God cares about, the lost and the hurting, the overlooked and the underestimated, the ones that Jesus said, when we serve them, we're doing it as unto him. Let's redirect our passion or restore the passion. Come on, don't come into another service and take it for granted. Don't assume you'll get another chance to meet that need in front of you on your way home. Don't neglect the things that you think you can wait for the better time. This is your day. This is your moment. Let's restore the passion and burn brightly for God again. Number four, number four, we've got to remove the idols. Now, this is some verses that we haven't got to yet, so I'm going to read them to you, but... But if we were, are to repair the altar, I tell you today, according to the word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we must remove the idols that have been set up for false worship in our land and in our lives. Or seven says, but as for you, this is a word that came, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. Now, it's not the point of this point, but I'll tell you, as I read this two weeks ago in my devotions, I highlighted that in my Bible. I grabbed hold of it with two hands, and I said, that's a word for me. <laughs> I, I leaned over. I told my wife it was early in the morning, and uh, uh, I said, listen to this. This is for me. I said it to her. She said, nope, turn that M upside down. That's not for me. That's for we. All of a sudden, we just held on to that right there in that moment. And, and I'll tell you, Pastor Vicente on Wednesday in, in our prayer gatherings has been talking about we're asking the Lord for words. Sometimes it's a personal word and sometimes it's a corporate word. Sometimes it's a word that God will just speak to encourage you. And in that moment, I was like, I know he's encouraging me. And then I wanted to tell my wife, all of a sudden he was encouraging we. I came back, told a few of the pastors. They were like, no, no, that wasn't just for you. We're thankful for that. That was for us as well. And I, and I just want to just pause for a moment today. And I'm going to pray that over a few people that needed to be encouraged in that. But as for you, that you're not forgotten, that you're not overlooked, that Jesus didn't forget about it. And I want to tell you, be strong and don't give up for your work will be rewarded. So I'm going to pause and maybe you've been wondering, this is people who've been serving God. You've been giving him everything. You've been doing the right things. You've been following Jesus with everything you can, but you've been waiting a long time. You've even candidly been wondering, did God forget? Is he going to change? But you've been waiting for some word from the Lord to be true and to come to pass. And if that verse resonated in your spirit like it did for mine. I want you to stand right now. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to continue preaching, but I just want to pray for you. If you're like, pastor, I needed that word in this moment. If you stand, I'm going to pray and uh, it might just be a couple. Sure. Yeah. And I'm going to pray. This is a spiritual moment that uh, we'll get to the rest of the group response. So just thanks for giving me a few minutes here for, for these people this morning. I just felt like as I was praying for you last night from the Holy Spirit to just pause and speak this over your life as a spiritual leader, voice in your corner. Just wanna speak the word of the Lord, encouragement to you here today. So would you uh, close your eyes and just open your hands toward heaven like you're, cause this is, I'm just gonna speak it over you. You're receiving from the Father here today. Father, I'm asking right now for these men and women who stood to say, this is, this is for me. 
They're grabbing hold of this with two hands here this morning, Lord. They're saying, but as for you, I want you to think of your own name right there. Just think of your name. This is, this is for you. It's not just for somebody else, but this is for you today. The Holy Spirit has sent me here and pause in this moment. This is for you today. I declare over your life, be strong and do not give up. In the middle of everything you're going through, in the season of waiting, even in the moments of wondering, be strong, my brothers and sisters, and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. I'm reminded of Galatians 6 and 9 that says, do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm reminded of Romans 8 and 31 that said, if God be for us, who can be against us? So today I speak encouragement into the people of God. May courage rise up from within your people. May they leave knowing that they're seen by you, O God, loved by you, Lord Jesus, and filled up with courage from you, Holy Spirit, to do what you've called them to do. Today, we receive your encouragement from the inside out. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated for a couple minutes, and then we're gonna... Pray again. <laughs> Verse 8, he went on to say, When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded the prophet, he took courage. By the way, that ought to be our response every time we hear the word of the Lord. We ought to take courage. Now, that's not to say that every word of the Lord is you're going to get a pay raise and your kids are going to make the honor roll and everything's going to be hunky dory. Said it again. <laughs> But even when the word of the Lord is a convicting word, even when the word of the Lord is a challenging word, even when the word of the Lord demands repentance, you ought to be encouraged. You ought to take courage that God loves you so much. He gave you that reminder. He gave you that opportunity to turn, make adjustments, to return to him. So whenever the word of the Lord comes, in fact, let me say it this way. If you receive a word of the Lord and you're not encouraged, I question if it's a word of the Lord. Now, again, I remind you, that doesn't mean that all words from the Lord are like, keep it up, you're doing great, no problems. Now, if you leave discouraged, it might have been a word from the Lord, but the person giving it might have got involved and got confused and relayed some guilt. Because the word of the Lord doesn't carry with it guilt, shame, or condemnation, but the word of the Lord often results in conviction. But you ought to leave encouraged. You ought to say, I'm receiving courage from the Lord to go and do what he's called me to do. When Asa heard the word and the prophecy, he took courage. That's one of the reasons I hope that you gather here on a regular basis, that you come to receive the word of the Lord, to have courage to go and do what he's called you to do. When we gather, we're saying, God, would you encourage us through the proclamation of your word to go and do what you've assigned us to do? And what happened in the midst of living without the true God, in the midst of them turning back, he had to go and do something. It had to be more than a spiritual goosebump, altar prayer. Oh, it feels good, but I go and live the same. No, he knew I've got to go do something about this. Look at this, verse 8. Asa removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin. I believe it's imperative for the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, those who are professing Christians to remove detestable idols from our land. I mean, it makes sense. The devil's not going to do it. 
Nobody else is going to do it. We've got to be part of removing those detestable idols, those things that people worship and follow that do not bring glory and honor to God. We've got to remove those things from our land. But notice this. I was, I was praying last night. This was another thing I just felt in my spirit for you and, and for us. He says, and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. Here was the revelation that I received, I think for me, I haven't been able to check it with historical texts and all that, so if it's not totally biblically sound, then I'll change it later. But this is what I felt. Humans are prone to setting up idols wherever we experience victory. Said it wasn't just the detestable idols in the land, but that they had to go to the places that they had conquered. And here's the problem, any time we experience victory, we are called as people of God to set up stones of remembrance and altar to worship God. And if we don't, the human response is to create idols of false worship. So think of it this way in your own life. When you received a financial provision, you got a breakthrough, you got a promotion. If you don't remind yourself that this promotion is from God, you may be deceived to think that it's just because you're nice. And later on, when it comes back around, you'll think, I control my own destiny if I'm nice. That becomes an idol of false worship. But if instead we'll set up stones of remembrance that this is where God has provided. Wherever we experience victory, it's incumbent upon us to create, to set up an altar that says when we go back and we celebrate, we're not gonna pat ourselves on the back, we're gonna give God thanks. Because every victory that we've been given is because of Him. The fact that we did good work at our job is because He gave us the ability. He woke us up in the morning. We could have been fired just as easily as somebody else, but we are going to worship. Like it's not even about giving, but you know, it's one of the privileges we have to bring back a portion to God. It's an aspect of worship that says, God, you're responsible for it all. It's not really us. There's something that happens when we release. You know, the same can be true in our homes. Our kid may get a honor roll and we're like, man, we're great parents. You might be, but did you know you could be a great parent and the kid not get on the honor roll? Or you could be a horrible parent and they could be on the honor roll, like newsflash. We're less responsible for this stuff than we like to think we are. And everywhere they experienced victory, they had set up a false idol to worship of their own achievement, of their own power, of their own strength and ingenuity. And when God is moving, people recognize that wasn't really me. That wasn't really us. That was, that was the hand of God moving on our behalf. So if we want to see a holy heat wave, if we want to experience revival in the land, it's incumbent upon the people of God to go back to the places that we've experienced victory and say, no, 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 that's not because we did it. That's not because we figured it out. It's because the hand of God moving in our lives and we set up stones of remembrance. We create altars to worship God in the places that he's given us victory. And Asa knew, because of the word of the Lord, I've got courage now to go and do what I need to do. And the Bible says it this way in verse 8, and I come to the conclusion of the message, which means I come to the part in which we're going to pray. The Bible says, he repaired the altar of the Lord. 
That's my prayer for us today and this summer that we'd repair the altar of the Lord. We say, God, we can't do this on our own. We can't do this in our own strength and in our own wisdom. It says he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. The portico is simply a covered walkway entering the temple. And I want what the Lord covers to be repaired today. I don't want to just walk in casually and out and let those things happen. We, we want to, so maybe you're here and as we move to prayer, maybe some of you are tempted like me. It's part of the human condition. Right now you're thinking, oh, this message, this part would have been good for, and you fill in the blank with somebody else. But I, I'm doing everything I can, every service I'm in, every devotion I read. God, what are you saying to me? It might have been good for them, and it, it would be good for them. Send them a link. Let them watch it later. But God, you've got me here right now, not by accident, not by chance, and not by happenstance. God, what is it for me? And that's what we're going to respond. We're going to repair the altar in our own lives. We've seen God do great things, and altars anywhere we meet with God. But, but look at the response of the people. I give you this closing statement, and we're going to respond and pray. We're going to move forward and seek the Lord together. The Bible says it this way in verse 12. It's on the bottom of your note sheet there. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. They'd been a long time without it. They were drifting on their own. But they said, we're going to do things differently. We're going to covenant. That's more than a contract. That's more than rules and regulations. It involves relationship. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. Which one? The God of their ancestors. They said, we're not going to do the things that we've thought about, we've come up with. We're going to go back to what's worked before. We're going to redig the ancient wells. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And I love this part. It says, with all their heart and soul. Not just their Sunday morning part. <laughs> Not just their Wednesday prayer gathering part, not just their private home part. They said, we're going to seek the Lord with everything we've got. And when we do, I believe we'll see a holy heat wave in our land. Would you stand if you're able here this morning and we're going to pray. The team's going to lead us in song. We've on purpose got about 10 or 15 minutes before we need to be dismissed and we're going to respond. I'm going to ask if you're here and you want to repair the altar. It always begins with us. It's not about somebody else. It's not about a church down the street. It's not about people in another land. It's, it starts with us. If you say, Pastor, I want to repair the altar, I'm going to ask you to step out from your seat and come forward, and we're going to do business with God. Maybe, maybe you need to receive the Spirit again. Well, you can step out. God will meet you right here. If you need to remember the Word, step out. Do business with God. Maybe you need to restore the passion Step out. Let's do business with God. If you need to remove the idols, step out. Let's, let's do business with God. We're repairing the altar today because when we repair the altar, we'll see a holy heat wave in our land. So Father, hear the cries of your people as we step out from where we are and step forward in faith to meet you. God, we ask that you would do what only you can do. Would you hear the cries of your people today as we repair the altars of our lives? Would you meet us in this place? 
Respond to the faith that is being demonstrated by your people, we pray. And Father, I pray for a releasing of your spirit, a releasing of your word, releasing of passion in your people. And God, help us to pull down, remove those idols that have kept us separated from you. For Father, we want to seek you with all our heart and soul today. So as we lift our voice, let's pray. Let's beseech heaven. Let's ask him to do what only he can do in our lives. Let's meet with God here today before we leave this place let's repair the altar in our own life in different places meet with your people oh God do what only you can do we hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.